Welcome, listeners, to a new episode of FF Plus, your spoiler-free outlet for movie reviews, entertainment recommendations, discussion, and more. I'm one of your hosts, Aaron, and with me, as per usual, is my man, Coles. What up, what up? My friend, this should be fun. This is a night we've been waiting for for quite some time. Both have been pretty excited and looking forward to a certain remake slash new vision slash fulfilled vision of a comic book movie and we're going to get to that but first we're going to talk about one other new film that is releasing this week it is called the courier and it stars benedict cumberbatch marab ninidzi rachel brosnahan and jesse buckley film one of film twitter's (laughs) favorite actresses for a good reason it's directed by dominique cook and written by tom o'connor what's it about a true life spy thriller This is the story of an unassuming British businessman named Greville Wynne, recruited into one of the greatest international conflicts in history. At the behest of the UK's MI6 and a CIA operative, he forms a covert, dangerous partnership with Soviet officer Oleg Penkovsky in an effort to provide crucial intelligence needed to prevent a nuclear confrontation and defuse the Cuban Missile Crisis. So... What we're talking about here is a spy film, an espionage film set in the Cold War, starring Benedict Cumberbatch. That is the gist of what we're getting at, and it's a true story. Why don't we start with what you liked about this one, Kales? Well, for one, I like the history. You know, um, the Cold War, we often don't get too many films who go into depth about the Cold War and how close we were, the United States was, in getting into a nuclear holocaust along with Soviet Union. I mean, it was a... It was really an arms race. You know, it was so close to where the world would have changed rapidly right in front of our eyes. You know, we had kids that would do um, fire drills for fallout shelters. You know, we had parents, you know, we had people all around the world who were looking at this moment and wondering, is this the end of the world as we know it or is World War Three going to start? And it's great to have a film that takes place during that era because I get, I get to learn a lot about that information because we see stories about World War Two, about World War One, about the Vietnam War. But a lot of times we don't get these espionage spy movies set during the Cold War. And, you know, the cherry on top is that's based on a true story. And the true story is another point that I like to um, single out because we're following a couple of people you know, their names are not really known much in history you know Greville Wynn he was just a businessman and you know Oleg the Soviet officer that is um, partnering with Greenville to share these documents you know he doesn't get I didn't know who he was beforehand and these are just two guys that you wouldn't think to remember but these guys really sacrificed. They put a lot on the line to be heroes. And Gre- and Greville, you know, he was a successful businessman. You know, he already had a good life. You know, he had a wife. He had kids. And along with Oleg, he did as well. But these guys saw the bigger picture. They saw that a way to keep the world away from blowing each other up to bits. And I admire the heroism and the sacrifice I saw in this film. Benedict was another bright spot. I think this is among one of his best performances. For me, I, I love Benedict at anything. And in this film, you can tell that he really um let it loose and he was able to go deep, especially towards the latter stages of the film. When the film requires him to go for those deep dramatic passages, he really nails it. Um, Jesse Buckley, like you said, um, a, a lot of people's favorite and she's good in this. 
Rachel Bronsonhan, she's really good in this as well. I remember her from I'm Your Woman from last year. She's good in this. And I also like the editing. The editing is very tight. It kind of reminded me of those 90 thrillers that we don't get to see a lot. It's very tight. It moves pretty good when the stakes are high. And it allows itself to, like, slow down when, you know, the often normal and ordinary scenes of everyday life happen. So, yeah, there was a lot to like about this film, and I enjoyed it. Wow. Well, good stuff, man. That A lot of those things are on my list as well. I will echo what you say about Cumberbatch right off the bat. I think that it's an unassuming performance in a lot of ways for the vast majority of the runtime. And you're right. There is a time when he has to go to a place that his elite acting prowess then shines. And you get to see why people consider him a star. I was just glad to see him be so solid throughout a movie he is one of those actors, I would kind of put him in a category a lot of times with Idris Elba, who is so much better than the roles that they tend to take or the movies that they find themselves in. You know, Cumberbatch was in a movie recently called The Mauritanian that came out maybe last month, I think. And it's a fairly decent movie. And he is absolutely just fine. Like, he's not, he's nothing special in that movie. And it's very strange because he can be just absolutely phenomenal, like in something like Sherlock. Uh, he can be really charismatic in something like Doctor Strange. And then he can be just kind of awful in a sense, like not like the worst part of a movie, but just very average feeling in an average movie. And so uh, it was nice to see him really just take this one by the horns and kind of run with it, even though it wasn't an over the top type of performance that was required. Much more along the lines of something like what was it he won or was Oscar for? Uh, was it theory? not Theory of Everything? I get those two confused. The Imitation Game. It reminds me of his performance in The Imitation Game quite a bit. So I really like that, especially because he is essentially a businessman who's become a spy, right? And so he captures the feelings that I feel like a civilian would go through in this situation really well. He is worried he about his family he's nervous he's scared he gets to the point where he's stressed out and he's taking that out on the people around him it felt very authentic to me for what a person would go through if they were dealing with the pressure of this situation i liked seeing the friendship build between win and Pinkovsky. there's a, a great line at the end of the film kind of stinger where Someone says, I think we're only two people, but this is how things change. And I thought that was a, a fantastic kind of takeaway from this film is that these are two people that, like you mentioned, no one knows anything about these people. Never heard their names before. Never heard this story before. But how many times do people like this exist in our world and stop incredible tragedy or nuclear war from happening that we may never know, right? And so getting to kind of learn their story and see how they went through this journey together uh, and built upon just kind of accidentally coming together into a, a real true friendship and partnership was inspiring to me. I love seeing spy tradecraft no matter what. I don't care what the era is. I like seeing how secret information moves between organizations and how effectively spies spy on spies. I think that's got to be one of the hardest things ever because you're you're trying to you know get something information wise from a person that is trained to do the same thing so therefore you would think that they would be harder of a target um, and so seeing that's cool um, ag agree with you about 
just, I guess the sense of the Cold War for me is what I get out of this one. Just remembering how hard it would have been for somebody like the Russian man to be a defector, especially with a family who's, you're not even, you're doing this and you're putting your own life at risk, but you're putting other people's lives at risk unknowing to them. You've really got to be committed to a cause in order to do that. And, and I just can't imagine what that would be like. There is a section of this movie where there is torture shown. And for me, it's really well done. It's tasteful. It is terrifying. And I think it really highlighted kind of the atrocity of what torture is like. It didn't overblow it to the point where you're like, oh, this is just movie. But it also didn't undersell how horrific the treatment of people could be when you're captured by uh, a foreign government, <laughs> whether it was in this case, maybe the Russians or, you know, Americans in Guantanamo Bay, going back to the Mauritanian comment that I made earlier, actually, that's what that's about. So yeah, man, I, there's quite a bit I liked about this as well. In fact, I think I liked most things about it. I'll lead with my things I didn't like real quick, and then I'll go to you. Unlike you, I actually feel like I have seen a lot of spy films kind of set around the concept of the Cold War, which is interesting because I can't like fire them off off the top of my head. So either I haven't, and this was generic enough that I felt like I had, <laughs> or I'm just wrong and I should appreciate this more for that. But for me, there was really, there's nothing in this that is special. There's nothing flashy about it. And again, and that works for this movie, but there's nothing, you know, Cumberbatch is great, but he's not like Oscar great. And so in the end, it ended up feeling like a very kind of little bit longish solid watch that I really enjoyed, but that I will most likely not remember a week from now. And by the end of the year, it'll be in that category of movies where I'm like, yeah, that was one of those really good movies that I saw, but I don't really remember the details of it. I just kind of remember the overall general plot line. And so I, I don't, it's a weird place because I, I'm in that zone where it's hard to articulate what I quote, don't like. And it's really not that I didn't like anything directly. It's just that there's nothing in this that hooked me. You know, this is where I give a movie like three stars, but I really liked it. And that's because for me, like a four star movie is when it's memorable. I can remember at the end of the year, man, that was an experience I had of some kind. There's some emotion I can tie to that experience. And I don't feel like this kind of movie is going to give that to me. Uh, what about you? Is there anything you didn't like about this one? No, for me, anytime I can see a solid film where I don't really have to put too much nitpicks or any wrongdoings into it, I respect it. Um, it's one of those films that, like you said, I'm not going to return back to this. It's not going to be something that, like, five years from now, people are going to be like, hey, do you remember The Courier? And I would be like, uh, no. I mean, maybe if you brought up the synopsis and you brought up the actors who played in it, then maybe I could bring back that memory. But yes, it's just something that is good for the moment. You watch it and you appreciate that it doesn't waste your time and that it gives you a good history lesson. It has some solid performances and, you know, there are some great things to take away from as far as the act of being a selfless hero, as far as sacrifice, as far as um even in the face of fear, having that courage. That's a very good 
trait to have. It's, for me, just all around solid, but nothing great. And that's not a bad thing. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Same place as you. It's It feels weird because I'm not going to be singing praises overtly, but I also would definitely have nothing bad to say about it. I'm going to say, yes, I'm feeling it. I think that it's a, a very good movie. I, again, like, so this one, I will say right here, it's available uh, in select theaters uh, starting March 19th. So it should be anywhere that theaters are open. It doesn't have the kind of cinematography that drives me to the theater <laughs> out of my way. You know what I mean? Like, I'd yeah. be perfectly fine waiting for video on demand and watching this one at home. I guess that's kind of where I would say I'm feeling this one. What about you? I'm the same way. I think we should start doing like a category, especially with theater starting to open up. Like, are we feeling it? Or are we feeling it enough for you to warrant someone going out of their time and going to the theater to watch it? I will recommend this for someone to rent, to red box it. But as far as going to the theater, I will take your money and um, keep it for another time. Yeah, maybe we'll do that. We'll work on figuring out some fun little categories to, to use instead of just a yes or no. I agree. There's There's some nuance there. Um, and that's basically what we've been doing for weeks now. So we might as well make it a little easier on people to understand that. So good deal. So The Courier, but we definitely both like it. And we say check it out at some point. We'll be out March 19th in theaters. Next up, real quick, Coles, why don't you tell the people about a special partnership that we have going before we get to Zack Snyder's Justice League? Well, in case you haven't heard our Feeling Film episodes and you haven't heard this voice reading you an ad, we have recently made a partnership with Letterboxd, the best social media app on the planet. If you are a film pursuers and you want to have a space to check out what your friends are watching and those lovely perks such as stat tracking your films, give this app a shot. We currently have an offer if you put in the code Feeling Film, and that's F-E-E-L-I-N Film. You can get a 20% off of a pro or a Patreon subscription. And if you already have an account, the code will work just the same if you want to renew or upgrade. Outstanding. And you definitely want to get on Letterboxd ASAP because you want to be reading everybody's hot takes about Zack Snyder's Justice League, which will be <laughs> upon us shortly. All right, Zack Snyder's Justice League, here we go. So, the film, as you should probably know, stars Ben Affleck, Henry Cavill, Amy Adams, Gal Gadot, Ray Fisher, Jason Momoa, Ezra Miller, Willem Dafoe, Jesse Eisenberg, not really though, if you want to say in this movie, uh, Jeremy Irons, Diane Lane, Connie Nielsen, and J.K. Simmons. It is directed by Zack Snyder, of course. The screenplay is by Chris Terrio, based on a story by Chris Terrio and Zack Snyder, and Will Beale, and it is based on characters from DC, Superman, of course, created by Jerry Siegel and Joe Shuster. What is it about? Well, in Zack Snyder's Justice League, determined to ensure Superman's ultimate sacrifice was not in vain, Bruce Wayne aligns forces with Diana Prince with plans to recruit a team of metahumans to protect the world from an approaching threat of catastrophic proportions. The task proves more than difficult than Bruce imagined as each of the recruits must face the demons of their own pasts to transcend that which has held them back, allowing them to come together, finally forming an unprecedented League of Heroes. Now united, Batman, Wonder Woman, Aquaman, Cyborg, and The Flash may be too late to save the planet from Steppenwolf, Desaad, and Darkseid and their dreadful intentions. Okay, we are going to skip over the discourse. <laughs> I'm going to tell you right off the bat about whether or not this should exist, about how fandom has taken a toxicity when it comes to this film on maybe 
the positive and the negative side sometimes over the course of the last several years. We will tell you straight up, we're going to be doing an episode on this film on the main show next Sunday, and it will be out next Monday morning. Patrick's going to join us, so we're excited to have him back with us for this. We've all been looking forward to this, and we will dive into probably all that stuff at that time. But we just want to tell you, bare bones here, what do we like, what do we not like, does it work? Is Zack Snyder's Justice League worthy of the hype? So, Kales, why don't you kick us off with what you liked about this one? There's been a lot of films in the past that have been hyped up to the degree that the Snyder Cut was hyped up. And usually these films will come out and sometimes they could be good, but they don't live up to the magnificent hype that we've bestowed on them. And then the worst part is that sometimes these films could just be bad and just underwhelming. But what I can say about this film is that it's a glorious reclamation project and it serves the Justice League brand right. This is the film that I wished I would have watched three years ago when I was sitting on opening night for the um, theatrical version of Justice League. The one thing that I loved about this film is just all of the detail and the exploration to each one of these heroes. Um, If you had seen the past films such as Man of Steel, Wonder Woman, Batman vs. Superman, you were already alchemated with Batman, Wonder Woman, and Superman as characters. But I felt that this film went a lot more deeper into what they had gone through in those films and how they're carrying some of that trauma and some of that hurt into this film and how it inspires them to come together to save the world. You know, the one thing we heard was about how bad Cyborg was done, how bad The Flash was done. But this film, it resolves all of that. Ray Fisher had a right to be mad about how he was done in the original Justice League, and this version does mighty well by him i was glad to see that we got to see cyborg's beginnings we got to understand the past and what he's coming from we got to see the relationship with his father his estranged father we got to see about how he became to be cyborg we got to see how he's learning to live in this world without being a full human with having these powers and how it's he's almost feels like cursed by it how he almost doesn't want to be on this earth he doesn't owe to earth anything also, we see the Flash. It, there were so many complaints that I saw of the Flash just being a comic relief guy, or that, and there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, he's a humorous guy. I, I don't know how he is in the comics, but I didn't have a problem with it. But with this film, I love that we got to see that he he's going through a journey himself. We got to see some scenes with his dad, which they were cut out of the original version. They were put back into this. You know, speaking on that, I just wanted to say that yeah, this film is four hours. It's a Tough load to carry for anybody to watch. I, I would definitely cut it up into parts. If you are if you don't have the attention span like you and I did, and we were able to sit through this because we have been looking forward to it, but all the four hours pays off. You know, it doesn't just pay off in the way they depict our heroes. It also pays off in the way we see the villain. Steppenwolf got a nice upgrade, not only as a character, but visual-wise. He looked great in this. He didn't look like... um. He didn't look like just a a, a piece of um. Just he was like a bat- troll from Lord of the Rings or something. Previous, I mean, it was so bad. This he looks scary. He looks get that armor with like spikes all over him. Man, he's terrifying in this movie. Looked like he could just, you could, he could just cut you just like by like sitting next to you or something like that. It, it, it was great, and you know we got to see Dark Side, which many people have been looking forward to, and 
the one thing I loved is that the drama of this film felt heightened. I could really feel the drama of this story. You know, in the original version, I could just say that I never felt the stakes were heavy. I could never feel that, oh, the Justice League has to really save the world against this threat right here. And in this film, I could see that those stakes were there. When big things happen, you felt it. When emotional moments happen, it grabs you. You know, um, it was so great just to even see Wonder Woman get better portrayed in this. Hearing the Wonder Woman theme in her first scene, I was like, yes, that it won it immediately won me over. It made me forget about the bad job that Danny Elfman did in the original version. It was glad to see Junkie XL had a hand in this. And the action is good. The visuals got a nice upgrade too. I I, I can say that I had no problem with the visuals or with any of the story beats that the that the film landed on. It was just all around a glorious, magnificent experience. I can say this is probably going to end up as one of my favorite DC films ever. And I would tell people that even if you had some criticisms of the original Justice League, do yourself a favor and give this one a watch. I mean, it. I could go into much more, but I got to save the meat the podcast you know <laughs> yeah yeah absolutely we want the people to come back for that deeper conversation where we get into spoilers and stuff so i'm with you there i i actually echo everything you said everything i have been very reserved about this i'm not part of the snyder cult or snyder clan however i love his movies i mean he's got several amazing like five-star experience films in my opinion i'm a batman super fan i think man of steel is incredible you know, so I'm definitely on his side, and I was very much excited that he got a chance to put his vision out for us to see because I didn't have any doubt that it would be better than what happened uh, with the Joss Whedon cut. And so, but I've been very reserved because, look, we don't know what this is going to look like. This is a man who, who again, had to take all of this footage years after the fact and try to piece together this thing. And then, to hear that it's four hours and the original movie is like two, you're literally doubling the amount of content without changing the story in any massive way or very direct. That's a that's a big ask. Like, what are you? It feels like oh, you might be, you know, stuffing it too much and bloating it. So I was thrilled because I was glued to my television screen, Colas. I could not pull myself away. I cannot praise the pacing of this film enough there are six quote chapters and so i think you know originally this was going to be released in like four episodes they said and they decided to just put it out as a one four-hour movie i think those chapter breaks are decent places to stop if you need to and kind of wait until you go to the next part if you have to break it up i highly 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 recommend carving out four hours sitting down and immersing yourself Look, Lawrence of the of Arabia is four hours long. Gone with the Wind is four hours long. Epic movies are four hours, and it's okay. And Justice League warrants that because of the way that it starts small, hammers in the details, and builds these characters up as it goes slowly, slowly, slowly. Look, I'm going to tell you straight up. It's two and a half hours before you see Superman. Two and a half hours. So imagine if you've seen the previous Justice League movie. Think about all of the the buildup that happens before that moment, right? When it happens, man, you are so freaking ready for it. Like, 
it, it is it just more impactful. Like you said, one of the biggest things for me is the portrayal of Victor and Barry, uh, Cyborg and the Flash, both humongous, bigger parts of the team in this movie and their backstories, very emotionally impactful. And Ray, Ray Fisher specifically, you know, understandably was done completely dirty. If you look at his necessity to the plot and to the story and how cut he was in the Whedon version, like it just, it, it angers me. Like I'm, I'm actually very mad now, uh, in hindsight, knowing how much he was left out when he's actually integral to the story that Zack Snyder wanted to be told here. Uh, but same kind of thing on a little bit lesser scale with Barry getting more backstory for him and the way that Snyder manages his comedy. It's a lot of the same dialogue and the same lines, but there's a difference in how Whedon focuses in on the joke and the background music versus the way that Snyder lets the joke come out. It's almost kind of awkward at times, but that's Barry's character. Barry is awkward. Barry's always like, saying weird things and like smiling in scenes when everybody else is acting very somber and reflective. Like that's his character. That's who he is. A teenager who's a freaking found out he's a superhero, you know, like it makes sense. But I, I loved those guys in this movie so, so much, so hard. Um, and that was the thing is like every single character, it feels like has a backstory and it almost is all in tied to their parents. They have parental histories where it's mothers and fathers it's very resonant, I think, for anybody. Any human can think about the, what these characters are going through and their own parents. And it, I love getting them all there because that's what the Justice League is, Coles, right? It's not, you know, people made fun of Whedon's Justice League because it felt rushed. Well, it wouldn't have felt so rushed if it was four hours and we got all these backstory leading up to it. I just think it's brilliantly done um, in a way that I just super appreciated. The... Villain, like you said, Steppenwolf, I actually really hated him in the original film. I thought he was a real throwaway. I thought his scenes were stupid. He didn't have a lot of speaking parts, and when he did, he didn't say anything interesting. Man, you talk about an upgrade. I, I was even hesitant when I saw the screen caps of his new armor, but specifically once we get to that final battle whew, in Ru in Russia, in the oh, man, the crispness of the visuals at that point and that glistening of his silver shining armor and the way that he fights and some of the S that goes down in this fight that is new <laughs> and that had not seen before. Like my mind, I'm, I'm freaking out. Like I'm almost like running around the room screaming like, ah, you should see me. My son was sitting next to me. I was like, did you see what Superman just did? You know, like I'm freaking out. So um, love the visuals, love the, the action in this scene. There's one scene, uh, a slow-mo scene that involves the Batmobile and all of the heroes and it freezes on it for half a second. I took a screenshot with my phone. I was like, I need this as a poster on my wall. So that's, that's the kind of visionary when we talk about Zack Snyder, like his style of, of putting things on a screen visually that is sumptuous. Like that. he, he nailed it here. Um, also the backstory for the plot. You and I talked about this offline when we were chatting, how much more we understood what was happening. <laughs> we're dealing with a plot that involves a godlike character that destroys worlds for all of time. It is very similar to a Thanos of the DC universe. And 
mother boxes and a unity and you know change engines and and all this stuff there's a lot of techno comic babble going on here and it's hard to get what's happening but this movie again took its time a lot of this comes from cyborg's character and what was cut out by him but brilliantly walks us through and explains to us in a very interesting way that is engaging and not just somebody just talking and expositing but it shows it to us as well and i I fully understood what was happening and liked it a lot better the score freaking junkie xl absolutely kick ass i texted patrick and i said listen i think zimmer's q theme for spider-man from man of steel the do 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 it's just a few notes right but I literally feel like I get tears in my eyes the moment I hear it. Like it just, it, it is that emotionally overwhelming to me. Mm-hmm. And Junkie took all of the themes. You mentioned Wonder Woman's as well. Aquaman's comes in a couple times. Like he, it's brilliant, brilliantly woven into this. The whole score is fantastic. I loved it. Um, the other thing is the aspect ratio. And, you know, this is something. I don't know. I'm not going to say I liked it. I'm kind of, this is, maybe this will be my transition comment, but I didn't dislike it. So the aspect ratio is one, three, three. It's a box. (laughs) It's basically like an old TV sitcom. So there's, there's black bars, black space on the left and right of your screen. Cause we all have wide screens at this point. Right. And it's very strange at first. I thought there was something wrong. I thought, like, is this... I didn't know that it was supposed to be like that. And I was like, what is happening? And then I quickly realized, well, it's not changing. So I guess this was its intent. Reminds me of, like, kind of like a ghost story from several years ago. It did the same thing. I didn't mind it. I didn't mind it at all. There was something that became very immersive about it for me in a way that I think it focused my eyesight more and it didn't have me looking more on the peripheries. I can't really explain it well, but it didn't mind it. And so if you go into this and you know about that aspect ratio, I'd say don't sweat it and don't go into it presupposing you're going to dislike it because it really ends up being just fine. And you forget about it within literally within minutes. I, I didn't even realize that I wasn't looking at my whole screen, honestly. So I could go on and on and on about it. It is epic and I love it. Uh, I love, love, love it. I was blown away. It's definitely going to be one of my favorite DC movies as well. And I'm actually really looking forward to rewatching the series. I did that a few months ago, and so I didn't feel the need to do it before this. But I want to rewatch them now before we talk about this one for the podcast, main podcast episode, and then just kind of watch it all very much back to back to back in sequence, because I think it's going to be one of the best sagas we've ever seen in cinema history so far for like epic type comic book or fantasy type nature. Um, all right. Well, yeah, we could both just, I think, go on and on. So what about dislikes? Is there anything that bugs you about this one? The only dislike I had is that we still had the talking bubbles when we go down to Atlantis and Aquaman. Because, <laughs> you know, it, we were spoiled by this because we've seen James Wan's Aquaman and we both loved that film. And we saw how it was with that you can have this world where there are no talking bubbles. So when I saw the talking bubbles were still there, I was like, uh, I mean, it's not enough to take away from the experience, but it just, I mean, we've already seen a world where there is no talking bubbles and just seeing the talking bubbles just always still troubles me. <laughs> um, 
other than that, I mean, I was studying this thing. I mean, I was looking to see if there was anything that was going to come off wary to me or something that was a relic from the weeding cut that I could blast on about now. But I I have to say that everything was enhanced. Everything was improved. And I didn't really see too much to even say as a negative for me. Now, if someone comes in and they already have a problem with Zack Snyder and the way he directs, and of course you can go into everything, such as his storytelling and the way his vision is, and you don't like it. But for me, I like this. I love Snyder's vision. You know, I love his slow motion. You know, I love the what he did with the visuals. I love that he took his time and made sure to not cut corners. Like, he put in four hours of this. Like, originally it was a five-hour cut. You know, I don't watch it. I don't watch it. A little bit of a group. <laughs> I mean, I don't. I would have watched it. Yes, <laughs> I don't watch it. I would have watched it. I mean, the one thing that you can say about this film is that it's coherent. You know, you can understand it, even if you haven't read the comic books, which I haven't. I still understood what was going on due to all of the backstory, due to the well placed exposition, due to the detail we get into each of these characters, even the background characters. There's nothing I can say that I dislike about this. It even has his signature needle drops as well. So he's famous for putting in kind of older, like there's a Nick Cave song. I was really impressed with our friend Don Shanahan from Every Movie Has a Lesson who texted me and he's like, did you hear that Nick Cave song? And I'm like, I don't, I don't remember. And so I went back and I used Shazam and I was like, sure enough, like he nailed it. Um, but there's like a couple of those moments. Uh, but I think that they really do help to humanize the characters in a way that it's it's just it it works it just works um for me the only thing i don't like about it and it's a little bit of an it's easy to for me to just kind of like brush over this because it's the very end of the movie and it's actually not even technically quite in the story because it's there's an epilogue after the six chapters and there's a lot that kind of happens in the epilogue and the first part of the epilogue i think is phenomenal and works really well as an epilogue and then it kind of starts just keeping on going and it replays some of the end epilogue-ish scenes from the previous justice league movie that are clearly there to set up sequels and we have been told that's not going to happen so it feels kind of useless at this point and almost like it's almost a rude tease in a sense, because you're like, why is this here? It it doesn't offer any value to this story. And it only is worth anything if you're going to get something out of it later. You know what I mean? So that kind of was like a little bit of a, uh, and one of those things involves the Joker. That's all I can say. I don't want to go into details, but there is a part that involves the Joker and I absolutely hated it. I hated every bit of this one scene, this longish one scene that involved the joker i thought it was dumb i thought it was unnecessary and completely totally tonally out of whack with the film we had just seen but again because it's literally almost at the very end like right before the credits it was kind of i just can throw it away and be like that's like a post-credit scene that i don't need to watch ever again or care about i could easily just turn the movie off at the end of the start the first part of the epilogue and i would get my perfect movie experience so that's my only negative yeah, I, I had something to say about that Joker scene, too. For me, it felt like that Snyder wanted to give a better name to Jared's Joker because of how much he's been malaise and how much he's been um, ostracized, you know, in the DC culture. You know, you'll have some people who are supporters of him, but 
you'll find a lot of people that weren't supporters of him. And I don't think that his part in this epilogue is going to bring any new supporters. You know, I, I mean, I kind of find it hard to even understand what he was saying. Maybe I need some subtitles because he was mostly speaking gibberish for me. Uh, um, but hey, the epilogue is just an added bonus, I say, to the original story. I didn't even. I didn't really even put it as an add-in for my final thoughts. I kind of just thought, okay, maybe this is, I guess, for people who want to see certain characters that they that were teased, and they get they will get to see those characters and they'll probably love it. But yeah, it's just an added bonus for me and nothing to do with the original four-hour cut for me. But I will say, I think it makes me a want to throw Whedon's cut in the trash. I mean, for lack of a more respectful term it's trash comparatively it doesn't need to exist i would just assume it gets wiped off the face of the planet and our memories forever and i also am now more sad that zach is not going to get to continue i i so one thing i didn't say in our likes but basically this is how you need to think of the justice league zach snyder cut is that it is functionally like a superman man of steel sequel or a sequel to Man of Steel and Batman v Superman in so many ways, like thematically, the it directly responds to the issues that Clark has been dealing with throughout his entire run in this story as Superman. And I really wish I could see Zack Snyder make Man of Steel too. Like I, more than anything, I wanted to see more from what he has to offer in this universe, and those teasers just made me. I guess sad because I don't think we're going to get that. One question to end with. This is a, you know, could take this either way. Do you think folks will benefit from rewatching Whedon's Justice League or watching it for the first time, like say this week before sitting down to Zack Snyder's version? You know that quote where someone, where an old head told you that sometimes you got to go through hell to get to heaven. Oh my <laughs> and, gosh. And if you want to follow that, then. I would say rewatch Justice League to appreciate the improvements and the enhancements that the four-hour cut does. You know, we had a conversation on Facebook. Um, our friend Don from Every Movie Had a Lesson. He said that, yes, he appreciated watching Justice League because it let him know what had been worked on and what had been improved, and he appreciated the new changes. And I know you has said that, hey, I want to throw this Whedon cut into the trash can. I don't want to have nothing to do with the original version. I appreciate this four-hour cut for what it is more than wanting to go back, revisit what was the original Justice League, and then watch this. For me, I would say rewatch it because sometimes you have to look at the bad. You have to see what went wrong in order to appreciate what goes right. And I feel that this film is just such an improvement on the original theatrical version that it wouldn't hurt you to rewatch the original just for you to get some good kicks and a laugh out of it and to see what can be done with these characters in this story when you put it in the hands of a filmmaker who actually gives a damn. Hey, you know, yeah, you're, you have a point. I completely disagree with it. <laughs> However, I think I would urge people never to ever put their eyes on Whedon's cut ever again. I think it is complete. If you especially, especially, well, actually not especially both ways. If you've already seen it, to me, there's really no reason to go refresh your memory because you already went through that and you know what that is like. 
There's also no bad mushroom, mushroom, mushroom. That's not, there's no bad mustache. I should say, by the way, folks, that's like, we should have mentioned that. Like that should have been like number one, the digital removal or whatever of the mustache. Like it's fine. It doesn't look bad. Anyway, the people who haven't seen it at all. Yeah. I think it's absolutely crazy to re to watch Whedon's first. I think it is two hours wasted of your life because to me, all you're going to see is Half of this movie chopped up in ways that are not as effective and not as impactful and not doing the characters the, quote, justice that they deserve. So, yes, it will allow you to, in a sense, appreciate Zack's version better. But I think you're better served from a narrative enjoyment perspective just to go in and watch the movie as it was meant to be the first time and experience it and just fall in love with those characters and never know how badly they were treated because I wish that I could. Uh, so, so there you go. You have two dissenting opinions on that one and you can, you can pick one, whichever way you go. Uh, either way, you're going to end up at the same conclusion we think, which is this movie is phenomenal. I'm not even going to ask you if you're feeling it. We're obviously both feeling it big, strong. Hell yeah. To that. <laughs> hell yes. Yes. Hell, hell yes. It's streaming on HBO max on March 18th. And I would say it's absolutely worth a $15 subscription to HBO Max just for even one month. So you can get a chance to watch this over and over for one month and then, you know, explore some of their other content while you, hell, now's a perfect time. You could watch this and Godzilla vs. Kong in like two weeks. So you got, you got a great window. If you just want to do one month of HBO Max, do it now. That's my take. Folks, that's all. Again, we will be back a week from now with Patrick to go deeper into this than to talk about some of the themes and some of the storylines for each of these characters. Man, I'm so excited because they're so much better and there's so much to like unpack about each one and the journeys that they go on. And so uh, it's going to be fun. So hopefully you'll come back for that episode as well, but that's it for us. We hope that you uh, have enjoyed this and we hope that we can hear from you and find out what you think of the films discussed. So you can hit us up on Twitter at Feelin' Film and at Black Nerd Magic. Or you can just join the Feelin' Film Facebook discussion group and talk to us there. There is a link to that. It is in every episode show notes. We will be back soon. And until then, keep feeling film. Hey, everyone. Thanks again for listening. If you enjoyed the show, we'd love to hear from you. You can leave us a review on iTunes or wherever you're listening. These help increase visibility for the show and grow our community of listeners like you. We also invite you to connect with us further by joining our ever-growing Facebook discussion group. A link to that is in the show notes, or you can just search on Facebook and find us that way. If you'd like to continue the conversation with me, you can follow the show on Twitter, at Film, or connect with me in the Facebook group. I'm very active in both places, and I'd love to chat. And if you want to connect with me, you can find me at Shoeless Patch on both Facebook and Twitter. But be sure to tag me in any comments so that I'll be notified and not miss you. Once again, thank you for listening. We'll be back soon. Until then, stay positive. And keep feeling film.